Mark Manson. I know people were like, Oprah, Jim Carrey, Mark Manson. What what are we doing? Because this is a 24-hour ago thing this happened. I know. We decided last minute to do Mark Manson. Do you think uh, it's a real name? I don't know, but I just watched a YouTube video of his, and he's like, I'm Manson. I'm out. It rolls off the tongue. It's a pretty cool name. Like, I know Marilyn Manson, he got his name from, like, Marilyn Monroe and Charles Manson. Like, do you think Mark got his from, like, Marilyn Manson and, like, Mark Ruffalo or something? Like, it might have been a parent thing, like Leonardo DiCaprio, where his mom was just like, I love Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you never know, right? Who knows? But, I mean, why, why are we... This is a self-help author. I mean, he has his hand a little bit in the film industry, but most people probably listening to this listening to celebrities probably maybe have never heard of him. So give me give me an idea of why we're doing him and who he is, Rory Gardner. Right off the top, like the subtle art of not giving a frig is his uh, main book, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what kind of uh, blew him up into uh, what he is now. But we need to mention off the top that this is, it's not necessarily a breakdown of his books per se, but more like a, him as, a, as an author and an artist and uh, like where he came from, how he became a bestseller. But throughout this journey over the next 45 minutes, we'll, uh, we'll give you the point of view that uh, Mark lays out in a lot of his literature. Because remember, this show Celebrity Self-Help, it's not just about how people became famous. It's like, what can we take from their lives and apply it to to our lives, to our careers? So let's do a 60-second breakdown because we give a freak of... That was a bad joke. Okay. Now a 60-second career breakdown. Mark Manson, born March 9th, 1984, is an American self-help author and blogger. Manson started his first blog about dating advice in 2008, which turned into a great resource for men called Post Masculine. This would lead to Manson's first book entitled Models, Attract Women Through Honesty, which was self-published in 2011. He then broadened his blogging content to reach a wider audience in the self-help space and released an article called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which was the catalyst for his second book by the same title published in 2016. It would go on to become a bestseller, moving more than 12 million copies. He switched gears again in 2019 with his next book, Everything is Fucked. Having two bestsellers at the top of the charts caught the attention of Will Smith, who hired Mark to ghostwrite his autobiography entitled Will. This was also a bestseller until the infamous Oscar slap when it impeded sales drastically. He started out as a blogger, okay? And so I see patterns like among most of the celebrities in profile, like they got to start somewhere, right? He started as a blogger. His blog was on dating advice. This was back in 2008. I imagine it was the same scenario we all go through where it's like he's, you just start writing down your own thoughts and opinions based on what you're going through. Like maybe the purpose is just to help yourself <laughs> and through research, uh, you know, it starts to work for you. And you're like, you know what? I could share this because maybe it would work for other people and other people could benefit from this. This is a really interesting time when you could be found via blog content. Blogging was fairly new. And so if you had high volume and had certain keywords, there was a game that could be played. And there's some degree of you can do that now, but it's a lot, lot harder with the saturation of content. But he leveraged a moment in time when things were really, really new and then put his foot on the gas because there was obviously a need for, I said, obviously, I guess there was a need for teaching men how to get a date. And then he leveraged that with discipline of putting out a ton of blogs. I think he said, at this point, he has two or three hundred like huge articles on his website that he's crafted over the years. But that's how he rose to the top. The problem he was facing at the time, so he wanted to solve that problem, and so he did his own research. And but his blog, Post Masculine, led to his first book, Models: Attract Women Through Honesty. But the thing about this, we <laughs> take away is like 
every aspiring author wants to be a New York Times bestseller. They, they, they just, mm-hmm. that's why they get into that or whatever. But they have this brilliant idea. They want to pitch to a publisher who's going to release this to their vast audience and make them a star. But that's not really how publishing works these days, right? Like you basically need to build the audience yourself and then bring your idea to the publisher. And that's what he did with this blog. How many books did he write before the F book? Just the most notable one would be like this one. So maybe a couple, I don't know, probably okay. this Probably this one and then the F book. The mirror one didn't get mainstream attention. That was just... Well, in, in, in the niche, it did. I'm sure he was... I think it went to number one in, in that category, like the dating category. So it's tech, it was probably a number one. What was interesting about the next book that really caught global attention and put him really, really on the map, which he has a lot to say about kind of instant fame and the pros and cons of that is he really leaned into like even the branding of the subtle art of not giving an f he was told by a lot of publishers like not to do that friends of his everyone just was like you're ruining yourself but what was interesting is his brand was speaking to young men trying to help them get dates and so using language using very straightforward branding was his thing, but that's also what made him stand out, right? Because when they looked at the analytics, traditionally in self-help, it's mostly women who consume content. But when they looked at marks, they said it was like a 50-50 split. So he had a high advantage with the F book because men were buying it too. It's basically like, um, I don't know, how do I, how do I say this without insulting you and- Just say it. Like, like it's not like women, they communicate, there's a, there's a bit of beating around the bush, let's say, but- A hundred percent. And that's sort of how he speaks because his audience was men and that's, that's how he did it. But you're right. He differentiated himself and that's sort of what made him stand out. It was a saturated market, but he went, like back then it was like, it was pickup artist or pickup artist tactics and stuff like negging, kind of like lowering ladies' self-esteem. Did you ever right. consume any of that content? Don't lie to me. Of course I did. So uh, that was the whole thing. Is trying to like you know attack it from that way, sort of uh, knock the ladies down a peg. But Mark decided to go the opposite route, which is uh, you know through honesty, right? Probably less effective. Let's face it, <laughs> but it's certainly like a niche within a niche. I'm not comfortable being disrespectful or mean to, to women. And so I just, I couldn't, well, I couldn't do the pickup artist thing, but like, if you could find a way to, to do it through honesty or through, through uh, some sort of genuine methodology that, that this resonates more with people like myself and obviously his audience that he built. It reminded, this whole thing reminded me when we did Oprah, uh, we talked a lot about going the opposite way. And I feel like Mark has been able to do that within the self-help space, starting with this book of... I'm not going to do this traditional language. I'm going to be more abrupt, more in your face. And it's paid off. I mean, and eventually he grew out of it. I don't know what happened. Maybe he found his love of his life. But he's like, you know what? This dating thing is uh, is getting old. So I got to uh, start writing other stuff. So then he you know, created other blogs of other different topics and, and things like that. And he created, uh, he just stumbled upon this one of them that was entitled. It was one article, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Freak. Yeah. That is what, uh, and that one blew up compared to the rest, right? And so that's what. So now he has like a, a media empire. He's putting out YouTube videos. He's writing, he's helping other, he ghostwrited for that godforsaken long ass book of Will Smith's. Uh, has a movie coming out soon? Well, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a movie of, with, with the same title. And it's um, based around, it's actually pretty cool. I saw the trailer. <laughs> it looks like an interesting watch. Yeah, so we're we're gonna look at his life here and kind of compare of 
what are some of the same themes that we're seeing here? And then also, so what are some of the stuff that Mark teaches that we have uh, seen with a lot of these celebrities? One of the things that he talks about is identity lags, which I think is really interesting, where the subtle art instantly made him famous. He had a little bit of a following, but it was just like it went global when that thing came out. Well, million um, copies. Yes, it was stupid. And he he compared that on Tim Ferriss's show when people have like inter- incremental improvements, like three to five percent gradually over time, they can adjust to success a little bit more. But whenever you have like sweeping success, hello, Justin Bieber, you can really, really be taken aback. But I think with our lives, he says that with really any massive change or success, it still takes us a year or two to kind of catch up to that. Because a lot of times... I mean, take, take working out, you know, if you see yourself every single day, it feels like maybe you're not making a lot of improvements. Maybe somebody will see you after a long time. They're like, dang, you look good. You've been working out or whatever. You're like, really? Because you see yourself every day. So that identity lag I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's also, he was like, you can't compare him to Beaver because Beaver was like 19 or something when he went off the rails. But Mark, although he found the time stressful, I think he had the maturity. I forget how old he was. He was probably in his thirties at this point. But Um, so he had a, a bit more stability to to go on. What was the other thing he said? <laughs> I was just saying identity lags. Like I, I think that's an interesting concept because you know this, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I think that we're a little bit hard on ourselves, but it's really hard to acknowledge how far you've actually come when you're sitting in the middle of it. And your identity of what you see yourself as may not be accurate to where you're really at. You may be better than you think you are. What's funny about that is like we we all want the uh, we all want that the, the big success and like, take take a, a TikTok for example right remember when you were releasing content before TikTok even existed you release a YouTube video you get like three or four comments you reply to each comment because oh my god I'm so desperate and I and I'm just grateful that you're liking this stuff and then you have a viral TikTok video where you have 150,000 comments and then after a while you're like I can't I'm just I'm gonna heart them heart the next 20,000 and then I, I can't respond to all this it's like a, it's like an abundance of stuff that you can't keep up with and I imagine that's what you know, that's what overwhelms you that, that Mark would have. The TikTok thing is the only thing that I could relate to it. I've never had 12 million copies of the book sold. But uh, I imagine it would be difficult to navigate something like that. One of the things that he mentioned was hard is trying to f- decipher between opportunities of like what's a good opportunity versus not because you really realistically can't do everything. You kind of have to develop that skill of getting really, really good in- instincts of which projects you should take, which collabs you could take, which podcasts you say yes to, and so forth. And that's not something that we're taught how to do because at the beginning, we're just taking everything. Well, he actually, so people took, assumed it was like all due to like his marketing. Like, you know what I mean? Every book after that for the next two years, like had F in it or, or shit in it. Any, any, any sort of title. <laughs> just like, let's just jar people into thinking this is along the same lines as what Mark created. And even with Mark's second book, like his publishers would like write the exact same thing with a different title. We just wanted him to keep riding this wave, but he's like, I don't really want to do that. And that second book or second big book, I guess, was everything is F, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to write something almost completely different. But yeah, well, I don't think it's just the language that. It's interesting. I think he he says stuff that you don't traditionally hear. Like he he just said, I don't believe in this whole 
grit, perseverance message that things are just supposed, you're supposed to grit through things and suffer and all of that. He said, yes, things are hard, but what you have to identify is what is the, he calls it the shit sandwich in each thing, like each venture in which one are you more willing and able to eat? So everything's hard, but it's like what, I'll give an example. I spend hours editing. an unbelievable amount of time editing I have for years because I put out so much content. I happily do that because that's the sandwich I want to eat. So that's kind of his whole angle with that, which I thought was interesting because I know you and I talk a lot about persevering through things, but do you agree with him? Yes. I learned a term the other day called hormesis. Do you know what that is? Hormesis? Yeah. It's like like Alex Hormozzi's life lesson. Yeah. It sounds a lot like it, but no, it's like, it's, it's more of a chemistry term where it's, you uh, you can expose yourself to, let's say, small chemical reactions that don't create anything. But if you over overdose, I guess it's lethal or I'm, ter- I'm screwing this up completely. But the point is, it's tolerance. It's, yeah, so it, it could be lethal if you if you. That's how the people killed the people in the westerns. They're like, you drink one and I'll drink one. One of them's poison and one of them's not. And they both take the drink and they're like, oh, they were both poison. I just have a tolerance. That's what you're saying. It wasn't the western as much as it was the princess bride you're thinking of. But yeah, that's basically <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the whole point of hormesis. So it get yeah. So he can expose yourself to the shit sandwiches that are small. But if you expose yourself to a uh, a shit building, then it'll crush you. A guy I interviewed the other day, he said people, he's a comedian and he, he's like, I, I breathe, eat and sleep it. And people separate it a lot. Like, oh, I'm going to go put on my comedy hat or I'm going to go do whatever. He's like, this is my lifestyle. This is what I do. And I, I feel like you almost to be really, really great, have to kind of get to that crazy spot of like, almost there's no separation of your identity versus your thing, which maybe is unhealthy. Maybe you need therapy, but like Mark, he writes a lot. He said that people say, I struggle writing 800 words and he can bust out like 3,000 words a day. And it never occurred to him that that was hard because that's just what he does. That wasn't instant. Like it started with blogging and then he turned into an author from from there. But his blogs were that long. He wrote long ass blogs. Like at the beginning, were they awesome blogs? Probably not. <laughs> Why did that be so balanced? I don't know. But like it's just, you got to become... The, it's not you're totally right it's like you don't put on your comedy hat you don't put on your author hat you have to become the person that writes that uh that material yeah another thing he teaches and i want your opinion on this is actions create passions so this is a very seth godeny and by the way if you don't know who seth godin is i'm talking to you jeff jeff rogan <laughs> Jeff Rogan. If you don't know who, who Joe Rogan is, uh, HeatherParody at gmail.com. Before you get into your random question, I got a question for you. Let's just yeah. say you had a major hit, like, so or I'm not giving an F. Uh-huh. And your publisher's like, we got to write more of this. Would you be all over that? Or would you do what he did and sort of uh, switch gears a little bit? I think it depends on how real that book was to me at first. Or if it was just kind of like a, I don't want to say an accident, but kind of something you, you have your life work, right? Like you have your projects and then you have your life work. And I think the more projects that you have that are similar, we have to start being honest with ourselves and saying, yo, this is actually life work stuff. So to redo something like that again, 
to me is like an acknowledgement and nod that this is more life work and I'm not cool with that. How he, how he grew out of the dating thing. He just wasn't into it anymore. So he couldn't yep. write it. Anymore, so he leveled up into the other stuff. Yeah. It's just you get other scenarios like, you know, chicken soup for the soul. It, billions of copies. It's, now there's like 30,000 books, chicken soup for the millennials, chicken soup for the vegans or whatever the hell. And it's like, you're milking that like so hard. Right? I don't, it's hard. It's hard not milking success. You know, because there's a market for it. You found something that works. It's really hard finding something that works. When you do, walking away from it is it's hard. There's money there. Are we going to ask what the Seth Golden thing? I just want your thought on this. Um, action, well, I guess I already know it. You told me before we hit record. <laughs> I just think it's a good talking point. Actions create passions. So he's saying instead of people fe feeling like, what's my passion? His approach is that you need to do and do and do and do as much as you can. And then when you get those results back, people's passions are really birthed out of success. And so if I go in and I do all these things and I'm really good at X, his idea is that you actually start becoming passionate about the things that you're good at and that people validate. And that's a better way of approaching it besides what's my passion. It reminds me a lot of Cal Newport, actually. He's like, don't... Cal Newport? Yeah. You haven't read his books? He's got a couple. He's So his whole thing is like, you can't discover your passion, you've got to find your passion or no, you don't find your passion, you create your passion. And through the exact same thing you just mentioned, like you have to uh, do something and what you excel at, you, you eventually just become passionate about it because you find an alignment. You're, you're good at it. Um, you create good things, you enjoy it. And that's how passion is created. My favorite Cal Newport book is, um, is the quote from Steve Martin, uh, be so good they can't ignore you. Okay, so he's got two bestsellers now, number ones, right? And now uh, this is around the time that he uh, gets a phone call and then gets slapped uh, by Will Smith. Sorry, he gets a phone call from Will Smith. And then uh, his people reach out to him. He's like, you know what? I got I to gotta write this book. I got to write this will a book. Do you want to ghostwrite it for us? Like when you start I, crossing over to self-help into the Will Smith vibe. I heard Mark talk about this in an interview and he, it's, it's sort of like, he, I don't think he had any interest in ghostwriting anything ever, but then when Will Smith calls, he kind of, you take the appointment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why do you think, and this is all hypothetical, we don't know, that Will would seek out him? What was different about him? Will, as you know, is, is a, what would the term be? Uh, not spiritual, but like he's he's very uh, self-helpy. I don't know what you want to call it. But, the, but so if I was going to get someone to go through my book, I would pick probably the guy who's at the top of the self-help charts at this point in time. Do you know Mr. Manson says that self-help is a form of spirituality? So there you go. See, full circle. Can you go into that for me? Because I got that. I totally get that. And I was having that conversation in my own brain. And I thought it was something I, I just, <laughs> I made up. But if other people smarter than me have thought about it, I'd love to learn more. It was really validating hearing him say this. But because sometimes I find like, is self-help, it has like a negative connotation and sometimes seems aloof and whatever. But he said, self-help isn't new. We've been talking about it for forever. It's just changed forms and methods, the same principles. He said before it was religion and philosophy. So his approach is that self-help is just a different flavor of those two worlds. It's kind of the modern philosophy. I like it because it's hyper-focused, whereas like take religion, for example, it's very broad and vague through parable 
in, in scripture and things like that, whereas self-help is, this is the problem you have. This is the book that's going to solve it. I think it's all tactical. I think our language has changed. And so what Plato was saying back in the day seems aloof and crazy to us because we didn't live in that culture and we don't understand that language as much. Even if you look at spirituality, it's very tactical. Be still and know that I'm God. People are like, be still and know that I'm God. Like, oh, that's some big crazy thing. That's meditation. <laughs> that's meditation. Think yeah, I wouldn't it. have known that just by hearing that. So the fact that someone has transcribed this <laughs> into regular English, uh, see, we need that in, in today's generation. Even in high school, I couldn't read Shakespeare. Uh, yeah. I, I can't decipher anything that's not on the nose. But I, I said it was validating in the sense of I think, again, self-help, we can kind of feel like, for me, I'm very drawn to that world, but it feels like it's already been done and said so many times. But so is spirituality, so is philosophy, but it doesn't mean that it's not needed. And Mark Manson had a great point. Us in our 30s and 40s, it seems like it's everything's been said, but we have a whole new generation coming underneath us and it's brand new concepts. And so really thinking about that too, like legacy. So there's a whole bunch of 20 year olds who are interested in this stuff now. And they don't know who Jack Canfield is. They don't know who Seth Godin is. Right. We got to teach him the way. Teach him the way. And to hear, th or to hear our other thoughts on Will Smith, uh, tune into episode seven. Uh, we go a deep dive into Will Smith's career and life and how we sucked out his uh, uh, secret sauce into success. If you want to hear how he uh, slapped Chris Rock, we do that in episode 12 with the Chris Rock. <laughs> we did follow that train, didn't we? We did follow that train. Uh, yes, with implementation. Anything else from his career? He just did a full circle. He just released an audiobook called Love Is Not Enough, which is basically a throwback to his original blog, if you think about it. He just dusted off that old mailing list. <laughs> All these people that he helped find love you know, 20 years ago are now probably going through marital trouble. It's like, this is perfect timing for a follow-up. <laughs> Divorce is not the end of you. Exactly. <laughs> F no. Perfectly. He's so strategic. What X factor with him? I know we didn't prep that, but do you have like an X factor? I mean, the catalyst is obviously his book, but like the book was a result of uh, timing, like a great list he accrued over time and a, a title that makes you kind of look twice. You know, you, you can judge a book by his cover and then read the first few pages and think this is probably not for me, but... Obviously, to sell 12 loving books, like mm -hmm. even have some sort of substance behind it. I think that's it. I think it was timing. And I think that he was willing to bring another world and mix it up in the self-help world. So a lot of times we look at industries and we're like, how do, how do I make it in that? As opposed to how do I bring myself into that and bring something different? And that's what people are looking for. Uh, I like the fact that he, he found his audience through testing. Like he's writing content that he's inspired by. And then after like releasing hundreds of blog articles, he finds the one that caught fire and then he ran with it. Right. And so like, I'm guilty of this. Often we think like we have this brilliant idea and then we spend the next year developing it. And it turns out to be nothing more than just a fun idea you had. Mm. Right. So it's like, he, he basically is very, it's very stand up comedy. It, like it's not like comedians write their entire hour in their bedroom and then release the album. It's, they tested in front of audiences for years because that's how you curate a special. And so that's sort of what he's doing. He was just, he's creating an audience, but simultaneously testing things out. Okay. So do you not do that? In comedy, I do, but I, you would, where I've had ideas, like, like songs, for example, I was guilty of, here's a great song. I would record it. Not really test it in front of an audience. I would just put it on the record. And then you have like nine songs that are 
subpar and then you have like one banger. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, How would you test a song to an audience? TikTok? Nowadays, probably. But uh, back when I was really songwriting, it would probably be, I would just throw it into a live show, see if people are popping their heads to it, you know, ask for feedback from, from, a, from a small audience. Um, when were you like really involved in that? How long ago was that music songwriting? Not the comedy album, but before then? From 2004 to 2016. Uh, yeah, no, I still songwrite, obviously, but it's just, it's just I'm not kind of out of that world. But like you've had grand ideas, I'm sure that you're like, this is going to be awesome, and then you just you spend too much time developing it. You get maybe a, maybe a podcast. Like I don't know. It's uh, I like the, I also like the fact that he doesn't pigeonhole himself into like the same thing. Like we talked about his books are diversified. Um, it's like we spoke about in the last episode where we like if you release something like achy breaky heart or whatever like <laughs> you just you better love it because you're gonna spend the rest of your life singing that song so he's he's keeping it interesting for himself which is probably why he has sustainability and longevity because he's he's still putting his heart and soul into it uh to the testing thing so the only thing right now that you're testing is your your comedy and that's yeah. pretty say easy to test but you literally are performing every week well i don't know but you have okay, a book idea for example i have, you have a book uh, idea yeah I've got oh yeah idea. you told me that and so it'd be easy for me to just all right let's write this manuscript and uh and hope that people pick it up but you really need to build an audience around it and make sure that it's yeah. what you're writing is makes sense and it relates to people otherwise yeah. you're just spending years writing aimlessly in a vacuum <laughs> like you need to yeah. feed people in order to uh to make sure it's good and I think even going further than feedback, but actually like putting your ass on the line with feedback, because when you have a circle of people, they're like, oh, Rory, that's such a great idea. I will so buy your book. And then they don't. Validating with dollars is like the most important thing. It's like, okay, cool. Here's a pre-order uh, checkout or whatever. If people pay you to do something, and that's kind of hard to figure out, that's when you really know you have an idea because it's easy to support you with my words. But if I'm asking you to click somewhere or pay or whatever, that's when it's crickets. And that was the other hard thing about music back in the day is like music was free uh -huh. during that generation, during that era. So it's like, why should I pay for music when bands that are the biggest bands in the world are giving away their music for free on Napster or, yeah. or whatever? I don't know. That's on these TikTok kids to have it. I mean, it's so awesome because you can test it by not only views and likes, which don't mean anything, but like that shareability piece of like how many people are actually using this song. I, I know. I look at musical artists on TikTok now, and I mean, I, I don't have the energy to do that. Like my TikTok is humor based, right? This is what I'm into now. But like, I sort of wish TikTok was around seven years ago when I was trying to be so and so. It's about to get banned now again in America. Good. More, more eyeballs on my stuff. How about you? He said learning is a form of procrastination because we're always learning stuff and then we're never actually doing it. Is it weird that I, learning is like my hobby? Like I don't listen to music. I listen to things that teach me. And I feel like such a nerd. So we're friends. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very hard for me to have friends. We've talked about this before because I just... I'm so bored. I'm bored. I'm not interested in, in what everybody talks about. I mean, I love listening to music for sure, uh, but I don't even listen to music as much as most people because I'm always listening to podcasts. But like we talked about, I think it was Oprah. I have to work really, really hard 
to make sure my mindset is right. So it's like kind of, I enjoy it, but also too, like I have to. But we've talked about like, okay, you're influenced by the five people you hang out with. If four of those people are the worst, then you have to use things like podcasts or, or these books to, to, you know, pretend they're your friends <laughs> just to be influenced yeah. by a third party yeah. that may not necessarily be in your immediate friend group. Somebody told me the other day, if you know your dream, then you know who you need to be hanging around. So it, we need to be your friend. Like, there's a time and a place. Like sometimes you need a friend that's just like completely detached and just help you unwind. But I, I feel you. I feel you. I think I think with him, I really liked the sorry, y'all. The I'm really working on my cousin and I can't help it because he calls it the shit sandwich. I can't help it. Sorry. I liked that point. I think that's interesting to approach it in that way of I could do all these things, but which one is crappy. It's hard, but I don't mind as much. The identity lags reality. I thought that was really interesting. Yesterday, I was in a, a Zoom call with a bunch of people and I it was for a business thing and I didn't know half the stuff they were talking about. They're like, you know how to do this, right, Heather? Right? Totally. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I will figure it out. And it was really immediately the first, one of the first thoughts that came to my mind is like, maybe I shouldn't do this project because this is the amount of money that they're spending on the project. Everything is just like way, way, way higher than what I'm used to. But then I, when I was running today, I was thinking about it and I'm like, the only way in the world you're ever going to learn these skills is if you mentally just get there and just sounds so elementary because it's so basic. But when you're actually doing it, it's really, really hard. When you're like, accept the gig, accept this, accept that, put yourself in these rooms, hang out with these people, blah, blah, blah. And you feel like the smallest person there. But literally until you do that, you're never going to be at that at that point. I remember a story like someone was trying to fill a 200 seat venue to, for some sort of live show or whatever the heck it was, but they were booked. And so they booked the 1500 seat theater instead. It's like, I can never fill this room ever. But then he, you know, pedaled up the metal. <laughs> but on the ground, yeah, he ended up doing it. And now, you know, 1500 is his minimum. You don't know if you can do it unless you actually go through the motions of doing it. He could have easily failed, but he didn't, thankfully. And now he is who he is. All right. I'm glad we did this. This is interesting. Um, if you are listening to this and this seems super left field, maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't, find us on Instagram and like actually send us a DM and let us know what you think. Um, it's at celeb self-help over on the Instagrams. But I like Mark Manson. I need to start consuming more his content. He does need to cut his hair, though. It's a little long. Maybe he just he, he did it over COVID and he just liked the way it looked. So he's just rocking it. He doesn't give an if. Exactly. The subtle are not giving an F about your hairdo. Hey, thanks for listening to Celebrity Self-Help. Please leave us a rating and review and let us know who we should cover next. Seems like everybody out there's got a great big grand old plan Get up and go, live their dreams, hit the road full of steam, no regret How many more times will I get burned? Stuck in one place Well, I watch my wheels turn I keep it rocking And rolling I don't know where this crazy train Is going Just hold on, stay strong at every bend
this ride will one day But until then, I'll keep rolling Like a square peg Pushing through a round hole Where you're supposed to fit If you can't define your role From the outside looking in Just trying to make some sense I keep waiting here Just sitting in suspense I keep rocking And rolling I don't know where this crazy train Is going Just hold on, stay strong This ride will one day end But until then I keep rolling Forkers with a knife. I'm a tired old spoon who just lies awake at night. Why oh, keep rocking and rolling? I don't know where this crazy train is going. Strong at every bend Still hoping that this ride will one day end But until then I keep rolling I keep rolling I keep rolling